Friends, I was really struck in the readings this weekend by the movement from awe to action. That in all three of our readings, with Isaiah, with St. Paul, and with the fishing apostles, we get the movement from an awe-inspired event rather quickly in short order to action. In the book of Isaiah, Isaiah has this incredibly mystical vision of the heavenly liturgy. Right? And he, he sees the angels gathered around the throne of God and they're worshiping, they're singing the song that we sing here in a few moments at every Mass, the holy, holy, holy Lord God of power and might. They're seeing, he's seeing this incredible vision. Eventually, after seeing this vision and getting over his unworthiness, right, he's called into action. And he says, here I am to be a prophet to the people of Israel. St. Paul in the second reading Right? He's reflecting on, in the middle of that reading, how he's kind of uh, an unlikely apostle. Right? Because he had this mystical vision on the road to Damascus of the risen Jesus, right? who spoke to him and to, who called him to a particular mission. And of course, Paul goes out and fulfills that mission as apostle to the Gentiles goes from the awe-inspired moment of that road to Damascus experience to action. And then finally in the Gospel, the, the, the apostles, Peter and, and Andrew and James and John, have this incredible awe-inspired, awe-filled experience of Jesus miraculously bringing about of this abundance of fish when they on their own resources could not bring it about. They have this incredible experience and then they're immediately sent on a mission uh, to be fishers of souls. And so this movement from awe to action, I wanted to reflect on it a little bit today. And so first on the awe side, right, these moments of, um, you know, we call them maybe mystical experiences in the psychology of religion. They're often called limit experiences, where we come up against the limit of our finite reality and something of God, the transcendent, invades it. Right? It's, it's these limit experiences, these experiences where infinitude invades finitude. Right? Where immateriality barges in to our material existence, where, tr- where the transcendence of God kind of, kind of opens up the limits of space and time. And not all limit experiences look the same. Like, not all limit experiences, mystical experiences, look like Isaiah's and Paul's. These are pretty extreme ones where where Isaiah gets kind of a vision, a spiritual vision of the heavenly liturgy. And Paul is in seemingly direct conversation with the risen Christ on the road to Damascus. Those are significant limit experiences. Not all of them look like that. Like, I'm the first to admit, I've never had something like that. You know, people always ask me, like, my vocation story as a priest, which I don't really like telling, because uh, it's not that great. Um, but I, I certainly never had any of these, like, extraordinary moments. I was one of them. I said, can I have a Damascus moment, Lord? Like, can you can you speak to me directly? Right? Can you Can you... Uh, give me some clarity on this. I never, I never had something like that. Right? My journey was much more subtle. 
That doesn't mean I don't think God was there in the decision-making and in the guidance, but it was much more subtle than maybe what Isaiah and Paul experience in our readings. Many limited experiences are different than those experiences. Like, I remember I was listening to a really prominent atheist author who became a Catholic in recent years, and she said it was the moment she had her first child. The moment she had her first child, she was sitting there with her newborn baby, and it occurred to her that if the world ended tomorrow, she couldn't believe that there would be no eternal reverberations for this love that she felt for this human being. She described it as a kind of limited experience, that there is no way that this love I feel for this human being could cease to exist tomorrow if the world, if material reality came to an end. That's a limited experience. Right? Others have described others. Many of my limited experiences have been similar to what the apostles experience in the gospel, which is God doing more with my resources than I could have ever done on my own. That's, for me, have been a, a significant part of my own sort of mystical uh, limit experiences where I think something is impossible, but I hand it to God and he multiplies it in ways that I could have never done myself. To me, that's where God invades, the transcendent invades, right, our limited uh, material resources. So I was thinking about in terms of, uh, like, what would stop us from moving from awe to action? Right? And so I was thinking of kind of three obstacles. The first is that we actually don't cultivate a life that allows for God to fill us with awe. Right? That we're actually too busy, uh, we've, we've got too much clutter, that we actually don't allow God to invade our spaces like that. Right? Because an all-filled moment takes us being receptive. It takes us being passive at times in life. Right? Even, even some of these more subtle, limited experiences take us being able to take something in, to cultivate a life in which we're not always active, but instead we are receptive. Right? We're resting in things. We're allowing the goodness of the created world the, the, the promptings of the Spirit, the goodness of other people to just invade right, the limits of what we think is possible in our regular, ordinary existence. So the first obstacle is I think we have to, we have to pray to intensify the gift of the Spirit that we all got at our confirmation, if you were confirmed, which is one of the gifts of the Spirit is wonder and awe. Wonder and awe at, gifts, at God's creation wonder and awe at what God is doing in the world. And I think we should pray for the intensification of that gift of the Spirit that we receive, to be able to see these limited experiences, to see where God is trying to communicate something to us, even if it's subtle, right? to be able to enter into that restfulness, that contemplative spirit that allows us to see when God wants to overwhelm us with his presence. The second obstacle I was thinking more from awe to action is that sometimes we get paralyzed in awe. Like, I don't know if you've ever gotten to meet, um, like, a famous person, a celebrity, 
Like, have any of you ever met a celebrity that you've, like, looked up to? Some of you, okay? And maybe not even a celebrity, maybe like a mentor uh, that you looked up to. Sometimes, um, sometimes in the moment of awe, we're actually kind of paralyzed. We're like speechless in front of the person. Right? We, ba- we ramble on like we're some kind of buffoon. I was, I was thinking about this um, with an experience I had. Uh, this is not a famous person, though it's a famous person to me. Um, I, uh, at a really uh, dark place in uh, my life and discernment, uh, someone rec- recommended the work to me of a, a Catholic psychiatrist, Dr. Conrad Bars, died in the 1980s. And it's not much of an overstatement to say that he, with Jesus, uh, saved my life, his work. And so uh, I followed his work, and um, his daughter continues his work as a Catholic therapist. And I found out in the seminary that she was coming to speak at the seminary, his daughter. And I, I lost my mind. I was so excited. No one else cared okay, in the whole seminary. No one else cared. I was like, do you know who this is? No one cared. So I asked the rector, can I pick her up in the airport? And he said, sure. Well, who cares? Who this, do you even know who this woman is? I said, yes, I know who this woman is. So anyway, I drive to the airport. I've got like 25 of his books in the front seat. <laughs> and I got like a, a, pet, a permanent marker. You know, I, I want her to sign everything. And so I, she, we walk into the car and I, I'm, I can't even, I can't even talk. I'm like, your dad has saved my life. He's the greatest thing ever. And she's like, I know he was my dad. He was a wonderful man. And she's trying to like, kind of, you know, I'm kind of freaking out. And so like, you know, I opened the car door for her and, and I said, take a seat. And she said, well, where am I supposed to sit? There's 25 books sitting there. And I said, I know those are all your, your dad's books. She said, I'm aware I'm the editor and translator and uh, <laughs> publisher for these. And uh, and she said, where still, where am I supposed to sit? You know, we got this book problem. So I'm like tossing the books in the back. And she's saying, those are my dad's books. Be gentle with them. <laughs> so the whole experience was just a bumbling disaster because I was meeting this person that, like, I, I just, I probably almost... Some people that know my life, love of him, say that I worship him more than Jesus, so I have to be careful of that. Uh, that's a joke, of course, but he, he played such a big role in my life. So I, I was thinking of that in terms of sometimes we can be so paralyzed by the awe that it doesn't lead us to action. I was thinking of the transfiguration story, right, where Peter, James, and John have this awe-filled moment with, with God and Jesus and Moses and Elijah on the mountain, and they don't want to come down. Because they're like, I don't want to go back to the ordinariness of human life when I can stay here with you in this kind of mystical experience. But sometimes it's hard to go back to ordinariness when we've encountered something extraordinary. And I think that's one of the challenges of moving from awe to action, is we want to stay there with God. Right? We want to stay there with God. It's kind of like what all youth ministers and campus ministers struggle with, like retreat highs, right? It's like they go on these retreats and they have this encounter with God, or some just call it sleep deprivation, never sure which one it is. But then the, the challenge is always like, how do we go back to normal life, right? Once we've had this awe-filled moment with God, how do we translate it 
into action. Because sometimes we're paralyzed, we're speechless in the face of, of that awful mystery. I was thinking too of St. Thomas Aquinas, the famous story of him toward the end of his life during Mass. He had this, this indescribable mystical vision and he came out of Mass and he said to one of his associates, he said, now I feel like everything I have written is like straw compared to what I've just seen. So how difficult it was for him, which he didn't really write much after that, like to go back to writing after he's seen an insight into the divine mystery in a more intimate way. So one of the struggles from awe to action is maybe that we get caught up in wanting to stay with a limited experience. The other struggle, I think, is that of our unworthiness that the readings paint today. That when we encounter God and he wants to send us on a mission, we feel incapable of, of executing that mission. Right? We see that in all the readings. Isaiah immediately says, I'm a man of unclean lips. I can't be a prophet. And so the solution is to put a, a ember of charcoal on his lips, which I've recommended here for many years to do to our lectors. You know, to just help them get into the mood of lecturing. Is we just put a little charcoal on their lips to make them better prophets. How do you feel about that, Mark? <laughs> All right, good boss. Thank you very much. We'll start that in the fall. Uh, right, but right, he's aware of his uncleanness and his, his incapacity, seemingly, by his own resources to be a prophet. God has to assure him, no, you can do this. I can, I can work with your limitations. And so then he sent out Paul uh, of course, struggled with his own past with persecuting Christians, but in today's gospel, he's struggling with the insecurity he feels about the fact that he's not one of the original 12. I think this was an insecurity Paul felt, he's, and so he describes it, it's translated rather weirdly, right? As, as one born abnormally, meaning as one not born in the proper time to be one of the 12. Like, I'm not one of the 12. Does that mean I can't be part of that apostolic office, right? He's struggling with that, right? He's struggling with not being in the privileged 12 as, as handing on the apostolic tradition. But of course, Paul didn't let that stop eventually his, his confidence in becoming uh, that great apostle to the Gentiles. And then, of course, Peter in our gospel, who he sees this miraculous multiplication of fish, right, of catching a fish, and he says, depart from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. I can't even be in your presence. Like, you're so good. This is so transcendent of an experience. I, I'm not even worthy to stand in your presence. Which is, is, is such a true reality. So many of the saints talk about this. The closer you get to perfect goodness in God, the closer you get to, to union with God, the more you see your warts. The further away you get from God, the more you rationalize your warts. The closer you get to God, the more you see the dirt. And so all of them have this experience, but it's God assuring them, no, 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 I have sent you on a mission. I'm going to work with you in spite of your limitations and your problems and your dirt, but I'm still sending you on a mission. And so that, um, that feeling of unworthiness, that I can't do this, God could never give me a mission and trust a mission to me because I'm so incapable, I'm so sinful, right? I'm so, I'm so weak and I don't have the gifts, right? That is just the natural disposition in the face of an awe-inspired moment. God assures us that he calls us 
in spite of that. So friends, I'd like us just to to reflect this week on on that movement from awe to action. Because we all pretty much live in the world, right? right? We're not oystered religious here that are uh, just praying. We're living in the world. And so our experiences of God, uh, these any mystical limit experiences, experiences where there just seems to be more than just this world, experiences like that, right? They have to lead us. They have to translate into us doing something, us acting on behalf of the mission that God has entrusted to us. So let's seek to cultivate those moments, to pray for the intensification of wonder and awe, in our spiritual life and in our life, to commit to not staying up on the mountain, to wanting to come down the mountain, to descend into the ordinariness uh, of human life, and then finally not to get so distracted by our sinfulness and our unworthiness that it keeps us from fulfilling our apostolic mission. And so let's be moved this week uh, from that movement, from awe 